Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Pump Handle Podcast, episode 6. On this week's episode, we are going to take a look back at the week that was on Raw and SmackDown Live. I am going to tell you what happened this week in Raw 20 years ago, and I am going to take a look at five burning questions that WWE will soon need to answer. First up, let's take a look back at this week's Monday Night Raw. Now, this week's Monday Night Raw rating, I gave a 3 out of 5. This was probably one of the best Raws in months. And the first time, and definitely the first time since I started this podcast, that Raw has actually been the better program than SmackDown Live, which I'll get to in a few minutes. Uh, Taking a look at some of the things I thought were good about Raw this week. Um, Starting with Goldberg was a good idea. I mean, after the shit that they did at uh, Survivor Series, I mean, you had really no choice but to bring um, Goldberg out. Um, Now, obviously, the biggest burning question was, well, if they put Goldberg over on Lesnar so easily, the only way that made any sense is if they have some sort of future plans. Well, it turns out they have some sort of future plans because Goldberg confirmed that he will be in the Royal Rumble in San Antonio. Now, I've suggested this on the podcast several times, and I mentioned it again in my small package review of the weekend of Toronto's events. Um, they need to sell tickets for Royal Rumble. I mean, Alamo Dome is big. You know, they're looking at probably trying to get 50,000, 60,000 people in there. So having big names like Goldberg um, in the Royal Rumble, that will definitely aid in their efforts to sell out the place. And I'm sure it will lead to some sort of Brock coming back and screwing Goldberg out of his opportunity to win the Rumble, blah, blah, blah. We'll see. Um, First match of the night had the New Day against Cesaro and Sheamus. Um, Is there any dirtier faces than the New Day? I mean, they literally win dirty every single week. Um, This was actually a pretty good match, um, considering that the New Day hasn't really been having good matches lately, and uh, Cesaro and Sheamus are usually held down by the fact that Sheamus is on the team. Um, but yeah, no, they. I was I was relatively impressed um, with the match overall. Um, we'll see where it goes in the future. You knew New Day was gonna was gonna win, uh, and yeah, the fact that New Day keeps winning dirty. I mean, that's just. I don't know. I don't know what to think of that. Um, as they have for weeks, they use the backstage segment to play up Jericho turning on Kevin Owens. Ooh, betcha that's going to happen. Ooh. What the fuck was up with that Enzo Amore backstage segment uh, where he was naked? I mean, why was he out in the hallway after having a shower? Why did they feel it necessary to do that? I mean, is that the only way you can get into a match with Rusev is to walk around naked and then Lana see you and pretend to be embarrassed or what like it was just uh fuck I don't even know Cedric Alexander versus Daivari in uh cruiserweight action uh meh as the cruiserweights have been meh meh is about how you can sum up the cruiserweight division so far since they've come to raw um Cedric Alexander looked okay I think he's gonna um, be pegged as one of the top guys in the division um he looked pretty good in this match um, then they had the highlight reel with Chris Jericho. Um, obviously the people in Toronto were chanting for the list. That's great. That's exactly what we need. Um, and of course they're still friends. If you thought that they were going to turn on each other at this point on a highlight reel on raw, you are definitely a stupid idiot. 
Um, then Rollins comes out, says, I want my title shot. Uh, and then Reigns. So they, Jericho and KO started beating on Rollins. And then Reigns' music hits, which is predictable. And then he literally, like, angry walks to the ring. I mean, dude, like, your bro's getting the shit kicked out of him. I mean, get the hell down there. I don't, I don't understand why he was walking to the ring. Like, ugh, I don't know. And then um, they announced it's going to be Rollins versus Owens, no DQ with Jericho and Reigns banned from ringside, which immediately, immediately made people think, and I've seen several people tweet it out, and I was thinking it too, that this had Triple H coming back written all over it. I guess we'll see. Um, Rusev versus Enzo Amore. Rusev squashes him. Uh, Rusev really needs something to do. Um, squashing Enzo Amore on Raw does nothing for either of them. And, I mean, Enzo and Cass need something to do, too. They seem like they're kind of lost all of a sudden. I mean, right now you get Cesaro and Sheamus and the club getting tag team title shots. I mean, I don't know. Enzo and Cass need something to do, and they need it to do like right now and Rusev needs something to do too I mean my god the guy was left off Survivor Series he's probably one of the most impressive in-ring guys they have right now and he's literally not getting matches on your biggest pay-per-view you know one of the big four stupid Gallows and Anderson versus the Golden Truth um it might have been a good match I honestly don't fucking know because I fast forwarded through the whole damn thing um, I can't be bothered to watch the Golden Truth. That's literally a waste of my time. Uh, club wins. Club wins. Club wins. Shocker. Woo. Sami Zayn faced his punishment for losing at Survivor Series by taking on Braun Strowman. Um, I'll say it again. Um, I kind of like how they've been handling Braun Strowman. Um, you know, they don't make him do more than he can do. Putting him in these types of situations where he can just beat you know, the shit out of people. I find it kind of ironic that, you know, when Shane McMahon uh, took that bad bump at Survivor Series, the referee literally had him out of the match, you know, in within, like he stopped the three count and checked his shoulder and then said, no, no, Shane's out, Shane's out. And in this match, they let it go on for three minutes before, um, you know, Mick Foley came out and stopped the match. I definitely think um, Sami Zayn, this, this is all going to lead to Sami Zayn ending up on SmackDown. I mean, it has to, you know, he's going to get punished week after week. He's going to become disgruntled, like something like that. And I really think that's probably the best thing for Sami Zayn, which if you're a listener of this podcast, you know, I have been pumping the tires of Sami Zayn to SmackDown literally since episode one. Um, the Charlotte Flair promo, um, they announced Charlotte versus Sasha for the title next week in Charlotte's hometown. They can't switch the women's title again after literally, like, not even a month. They can't. You cannot switch the women's title again. Um, then Nia Jax comes out. I mean, mm, okay. Dana Brooke, I've said it again, she is a blithering idiot. Um, like, I don't understand the purpose of her character other than to be stupid and get herself into stupid situations and hopefully get beat up. Um, and at the end of it, I kind of started thinking, I could live with um, Charlotte and Nia Jax forming some sort of women's faction. I mean, obviously Dana Brooke would be in there, but um, I think it'd be interesting if they kind of started factioning out the women that had a women's heel faction. You got enough of them now where it's a possibility. 
it'd be interesting to see if that's something that they do, if Nia and Charlotte kind of align, you know, Nia Jax kind of becomes her protege instead of Dana Brooke, because Dana Brooke is fucking literally the drizzling shits. Um, and then it led to a tag match, Nia and Charlotte versus Sasha and Bailey. Sasha taps out Charlotte rather easily, nothing noteworthy in this match, really just all kind of pointless and setting up next week's match. Uh, and then we had a uh, number one contender triple threat match for the Cruiserweight Championship between Rich Swan, Noam Dar, and TJ Perkins. Uh, Rich Swan wins. Uh, it was a, a match. It was better than the Alexander Divari Cruiserweight match, but still not, you know, a good Cruiserweight match. So now Rich Swan will get a title match on 205 Live when it debuts next week. And I probably won't talk about it. So yeah, go to the network and watch for yourself. Um, Owens and Rollins, the no DQ match. Um, it was a long, exciting main event, um, which made me think, is this SmackDown Live? Because that's been their formula. I think the whole thing was well over 20 minutes long from the time they did their entrances. Um, it was the best match on Raw in literally months. Um, you know, they ha- it had crazy things. That Rollins climbing the, the sign in the, the tunnel there. And doing the big splash off of that. I mean, that was insane. That's pay-per-view worthy spots um, on an episode of Monday Night Raw. Uh, and then, of course, you had Y2J interfering when everybody thought Triple H was going to be coming back. There's Jericho in a Sin Cara mask and a Shinsuke Nakamura hoodie attacking Seth Rollins. And then Rollins fights back and then it leads to Powerbomb on the apron. One, two, three. Um, so, yeah. Obviously, because of Y2J interfering, it's going to lead to some sort of rematch. Probably a TLC, I would imagine. But like I said, this was a huge, huge, huge step forward uh, for Monday Night Raw. Uh, Now, taking a look at what happened on the SmackDown Lives. Uh, As I said, SmackDown Live this week, only getting a 2 out of 5. Meaning it's the first time since I've started doing this show six weeks ago that SmackDown Live was not better than Raw. My biggest issue with SmackDown this week, it was predictable, and it was fucking boring. Like, boring. Like, just terribly boring. Uh, Example, the opening segment was absolutely atrocious. Something that SmackDown Live had been doing really well at working in the authority figures in opening segments and making it quick and to the point. This was blithering, stupid, pointless. Shane comes out, babbles for a bit, Ambrose comes out, Ellsworth comes out, and they announce, oh, Ellsworth gets a contract, which anybody who reads the internet knew days ago, and then here comes Styles. Ambrose gets banned from the building because he's stupid, and he's the, the stupid, goofy Ambrose character's back, um, and then it leads to a Styles versus Ellsworth ladder match with Ellsworth's, Ellsworth's contract on the line, and I'm like, Please, God, just let this segment be over because it was horrible. Um, Kalisto versus Miz for the IC title. Ooh, who didn't see Baron Corbin running in? Oh, jeez. Again, predictable. The match itself was pretty meh anyway. Um, the segment ended off with Ziggler super kicking uh, Miz on the ramp. Uh, the women's backstage segment was absolutely and complete fucking garbage. Um, I, I don't understand what they're trying to do with the women's division on SmackDown. Uh, I really, really don't. 
Um, then Natalia with the Titanic reference, like, holy fuck. Like, is, is that a gimmick now where she's just going to sing stupid 90s thing? Like, please. And then you get Ambrose coming in with the pizza. Like, again, like, it's, it's literally like the writers took the week off and they just said, hey guys, do stupid fucking shit for two hours, please. Um... The tag team turmoil match to determine the number one contenders for Rhino and Heath Slater's SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Um, the poor Ascension, they were the first team in and they were eliminated in about 45 seconds. Um, literally, if you didn't think that the American Alpha and Usos were going to be at the end, you're not watching SmackDown. They should have just had an American Alpha versus Usos tag team match because these teams are head and shoulders above all these other garbage jobber tag teams. Um, it wasn't a great match between American Alpha and the Usos. There were several um, several botches in the match uh, on pretty routine moves, too, that just looked awful. Uh, but, I mean, at the end, the second half of the match had a good pace, and it was exciting. Um, American Alpha gets the W, and then all of a sudden, ooh, here's Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton on the Titantron, saying that you haven't beat all the teams yet. It's like, well, fuck. Like, <laughs> what in the hell makes Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt the number one contenders to the number one contendership? I mean, Shane could have said that. It looked like Shane was going to say that in his big intro until he got interrupted by Dean Ambrose. So maybe that was just part of the script that got fucked. But, like, for them just to show up and be like, ah, oh, next week you got to face us for the number one contenders, stupid. Without any, it makes sense, but it's stupid without giving it any context on the show. Um, then you had that backstage segment where you had Dean Ambrose dressed as the Mountie. And then you had the Mountie's catch line, the Mountie always gets his man. Wow. Great. That was fantastic. Um, Natalia versus Becky Lynch. Um, Alexa Bliss could not have been worse on commentary. Talk about absolutely no characters shining through. Just sitting there, one-word answers, very bland, very brutal. Uh, it took her heel character down several pegs for me. You put these people on commentary to help build their heel personas up, and she failed fucking miserably. Miserable failure. Um, yeah, she won't be on commentary again anytime soon. Um, the match itself between Becky and Natalia was pretty good. Uh, Becky Lynch picks up the W, and then obviously she got attacked after the match. Not surprising at all. But the match itself was pretty good. I mean, I've always been a fan of Natalia's in-ring work. It just sucks that, for whatever reason, they feel the need to bury her character and stick her with shitty gimmicks. Um... You had that backstage segment with Carmella and Nikki Bella, which probably right now is the best women's feud on SmackDown, um, just because of the fact that Becky and Alexa, their personalities don't jive. But Carmella and Nikki Bella, um, you know, this feud has been building, building. Now you're going to get a no DQ match at TLC. Um, so I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I've been saying I like where Carmella's potential is. She's been showing a lot of it in this feud. Um, and I think this is an opportunity for them to put Carmella up to the next level, if they so choose. Baron Corbin versus Kane. Oh, man. Like, you knew Kalisto was going to run in and cause a DQ. Like, this whole card was just basically fucking DQs. Well, not really. 
He had two. But still, it was terrible. Uh, then you had the main event, the Ellsworth versus Styles ladder match. Oh, again, another predictable run-in. That is three predictable run-ins uh, during one two-hour show. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, they phoned this in so bad. Um, obviously, you knew Ambrose was going to run in. Ellsworth ends up picking up the win. Um, one thing I did note during the match is that um, AJ Styles took yet another scary top rope flip bump. Um, it, I mean, he took a bad one at Survivor Series when Braun Strowman tried to throw him over the top rope and he got caught up on the way over and did a flip and landed awkwardly. And then it happened again when he took the Ambrose, or um, sorry, Ellsworth pushed the ladder over and Styles kind of hit the top, tried to catch himself on the top rope and it didn't really work. Man, oh man, they cannot afford AJ Styles to get hurt. If AJ Styles gets hurt, SmackDown Live is fucked. Please stop doing that. So overall, it was a pretty forgettable week for SmackDown Live. I'm glad to see Raw picking up the game a little bit. That'll be interesting to see um, now what they do. I mean, SmackDown, especially seeing that they only have, uh, you know, when their show aired, they only had 12 days to build up to their TLC pay-per-view. It was a laying a fucking egg at its best. Um, now switching some gears, guys, and taking a blast from the past. What happened on Raw 20 years ago this week? Uh, November 25th, 1996, Raw emanated from New Haven, Connecticut. Um, it kicked off with a Bret Hart versus Owen Hart matchup, which ended up being very shitty. Um, looked like these guys were just going through um, the motions. Um, Bret had Owen locked in a sharpshooter, and then Steve Austin ran in with a chair to cause the disqualification. Um, the Rock, at the time known as Rocky Maivia, made his Raw debut after debuting at the Survivor Series the night before. Picked up his first win on Raw in a little under five minutes. Um, they actually aired a package where a few WWE legends talked about uh, what they thought of the Rock's, or, well, sorry, Rocky Maivia's potential, saying he would become a superstar. Oh boy, were they selling him short because he became literally the biggest tied for probably the biggest superstar in the company and i mean even now 20 years later he's still a super mega ultra star uh the main event on raw saw mark marrow versus billy gunn which ended in a disqualification when triple h interfered and then jake the snake roberts came in to make the save um yeah so again a pretty lackluster episode of raw 20 years ago um but with guys like the rock on there it was a sign of things to come now this week's feature part of the show guys is five burning questions that the wwe soon needs to answer about some of their storylines they've had these lingering storylines some of them are several several months old but these are just kind of five questions that i have that i think wwe needs to answer uh, and probably sooner rather than later um the first being, what's ever going to come of the Triple H-Rollins uh, feud? I mean, Triple H came back, cost Rollins the World Heavyweight Championship, and really has not been seen since, other than on NXT programming. Um, a Survivor Series was a good opportunity for them to bring him back. Uh, Monday Night Raw, obviously a lot of people thought Monday Night Raw they were going to bring him back, um, and they didn't. So it's interesting to see to see, like, you know, what are they going to do here? How are they going to integrate 
um, Rollins and Triple H feud back in. I understand waiting as long as possible because you're probably going to have them match up at WrestleMania. So um, maybe it's going to be at, uh, not TLC, what's their next pay-per-view? Their next pay-per-view is uh, Roadblock? Is it Roadblock? Roadblock, I believe, in middle December. Um, you know, if Rollins has a title opportunity there, do you bring him back for that? Do you wait and bring him back to help screw Seth Rollins out of winning the Royal Rumble? Uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say what is going to happen uh, with Triple H and Rollins, but I think eventually they have to do something there. Uh, and I'm, obviously it's going to be on a big stage, but I'm interested to see how they do it and how it works out. Big question number two, what are they going to do with Goldberg and Brock Lesnar? I mean, at this point, you've literally cut the testicles off of Brock Lesnar's character. Uh, rumors on the internet say that Brock Lesnar will not be appearing on WWE live TV programming until the new year. So, you know, what do you do? Um, Goldberg's probably not going to make a whole lot of appearances, so now that's just going to go back burner. Goldberg announced he's going to be in the Rumble. Obviously, you would assume Lesnar's going to be in the Rumble. Does Lesnar cost Goldberg an opportunity? I mean, the thing is, if you keep Goldberg on through WrestleMania, you still have to leave Brock looking strong after that. Unless, again, like I, like I hypothesized um, the other day, unless Brock Lesnar is, is done, or on the verge of being done. If he said, you know, I'll go through WrestleMania and then I'm going to go back to UFC, or I'm going to retire, or whatever, you know, I, something's going to have to give in this feud. Right now, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense the way they've done it. Obviously, the sense level goes up a little bit, knowing that Goldberg is going to be around for a bit longer, but still, the end result of this feud has major ramifications throughout the WWE with what's going to happen. I mean, again, you've built Brock Lesnar up, he's beat The Undertaker, he's beat Cena, and then he gets squashed in 86 seconds by Goldberg. It's not good, but it's salvageable. Burning question number three, what will Undertaker's role be? Undertaker said on SmackDown that he will not let um, the WrestleMania thing define him. He's not going to be just a WrestleMania guy. You assume, then he said, you know, he made his debut at Survivor Series, then he doesn't appear. Doesn't appear on SmackDown Live. So what is the Undertaker's role going forward? Is he going to be a semi-regular character? Is he going to, you know, do a couple of runs a year? Is he going to... Um, you know, is he going to be in the Rumble? Is he going to be at, at, at WrestleMania? Who, they really haven't come out and said what the Undertaker's role will be. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, what what happens there. Um, you you got to remember, too, they made a big deal when they did the draft, um, saying the Undertaker was ineligible for the draft. Um, so you would assume Undertaker can pretty much do whatever he wants beyond whatever show. But they do need to make Undertaker's role somewhat clear to keep that buzz going, because people will forget that he was on SmackDown 900, uh, which seemed kind of gimmicky, but then the way he spoke, you know, made it look like he was going to have a more regular role, and, you know, here we are, uh, it's going to be two weeks later pretty soon, and we have nothing. Um, so yeah, what's going to happen there? Um, burning question number four, who is going to step up to AJ Styles' level on SmackDown Live? I've said this many times on this podcast. 
that AJ Styles is head and shoulders better than anyone on the SmackDown roster right now. Better than Cena, better than Ambrose, better than The Undertaker if he's considered to be on the SmackDown roster. He's better. So who is going to be the first one to step up to AJ Styles' level? It's an interesting question. One that you kind of have to look probably to NXT. And I mean... Really, you need to look no further than the NXT Championship. I think that one of Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe, and if you listen to the podcast, I think it was episode 3, where I predicted what the five-match main event for WrestleMania was going to be. One of those matches was Nakamura versus Styles for the SmackDown Heavyweight Championship um, at WrestleMania. And I think that probably makes the most sense. But like right now, they need to start looking at what they're going to do because, you know... It's interesting for a while to have one guy on a brand that is so much better than everyone else. But after a while, it gets stale. I mean, you can only run Ellsworth against Styles and Ambrose against Styles so many times. I mean, Ellsworth is 3-0 and against him now. Um, you can only do that so many times, and people get bored of it. So I'm sure WWE has a plan. They need to start showing their hand a little bit here. And last but not least, burning question number five. Who is going to be the first big name to swap brands? No, I don't count Jack Swagger as a big name, who was technically the first, I believe, to swap from Raw to SmackDown Live. Jack Swagger is a piece of shit. Haven't seen him on SmackDown other than once or twice. So, you know, whatever. Um, But is it going to be Sami Zayn? Uh, You know, will it be uh, someone from SmackDown jumping ship towards... Uh, Raw, Will it, could it be someone like Natalia who needs a bit of a personality change? Um, so that'll be interesting to see. You know it's going to happen eventually that they're going to have some sort of jump ship, someone's contract gets up or something and swaps, brand, swaps brands. But it'll be interesting to see who it's going to be. Those guys are my five burning questions for WWE right now. Hit me up on the Twitter machine at PumpHandlePod, all one word, and let me know what are some burning questions that you have right now? What are some things that you want to see answered? What are some storylines that you would like to see dropped, uh, added to, or just resolved completely? Let me know. Anyways, guys, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Like I said, make sure you go give me a follow on the Twitter machine, at PumpHandlePod. Um, whatever medium you are listening to this podcast on, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, or your third-party podcast app of choice, I appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening to the Pump Handle Podcast. And until next time, somebody please hit my music. <laughs>